So, Hebrews has been all about, will be all about, and will continue to be all about Jesus. Okay? As we began and as we'll finish in this book, it's always connected to Jesus and who He is and what He's done. And this great salvation that it describes that we have is through faith in Jesus. It's through faith in who He is and through faith in what He has done and what He is doing and what He will do that we believe and we respond in faith and our faith is in Jesus. As I pointed out to begin with, we begin our salvation at this beginning point by faith in Jesus. We're, we're rescued from slavery, from sin and death. And we're brought into this new life, but then we go through this process of salvation, following Him, continuing with Him, holding on to Him, to one day we'll finish. We'll finish this process of salvation. We'll be with Him, with the majesty on high, at the right hand of God the Father, with Jesus. That's what's coming. That's this ending point. But remember, we tend to, in, in our at least in my church background, we focus on the beginning, we focus on the end, but we don't talk about this process and what it looks like to follow Jesus through this process of salvation. And now as a, a limited um, white man, this is the best I could do, two-dimensional. And then when Elvis preached two weeks ago, he took this diagram and he brought it right into 3D, right here in front of us, outside, in the process, and finishing in glory, up the stairs, in the Holy of Holies. Right? He's much more creative, much more engaging of your emotions than I am. So I'm going to take what Elvis presented to us and I'm going to go with it, okay? I need his help. I think it was helpful. And I want us to understand again this process and what has happened is that we were outside we were we were enslaved we, we were enslaved to our sin to our death and, and, and in the picture of Hebrews I, I, I'm out here I'm managing my sin I'm trying to deal with my sin and it's just this constant thing where I'm, I'm outside I, I can't come in there is no access and I'm just dealing with my sin and I'm under the burden of my sin and I, I, I can't, I try to get in and, and, and the door won't open and I've tried with all of my strength and I've given all that I have and, and I'm helpless. I, 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 can't, I can't do this, I'm, I'm stuck here. I, 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 have, I, have, I don't know what to do. I need someone outside of myself. I need someone to rescue me, someone to take me out of this slavery to my sin and myself. I need Jesus. And what Jesus has done is He went to the cross. He did what I couldn't do. He came and He rescued me. And He's opened this way and I can come in with Jesus. Okay? 
smile, Jesus. <laughs> he rescued me from that. He, he paid for the debt. I was trying to manage my sin, deal with my sin. He dealt with it forever. I've been cleansed. I've been purified. And I've been brought in and now I'm with Jesus. And we're going to go through this process together, right? Through life, through the ups and downs. And I'm holding on to Jesus. And sometimes Jesus has to carry me. <laughs> right? Jesus has got to be pretty strong to carry me. And I'm holding on. And you better believe I'm not going to let go through this process. I will not let go of Jesus. If I let go, what's going to happen? I'm going to fall flat. And Jesus and I are going to go. And Jesus is bringing me. And He's bringing me all the way to the finish. All the way to the end. He's going to bring me. And I get here and I look. The door is open. Like there is access to the Holy of Holies. There's access to the Father. And He's bringing me all the way and we're going to be here one day with, G with God the Father with Jesus by my side in glory look, look, I'm in glory with Jesus at the right hand of God the Father I finished my salvation is complete it's over, it's done does anybody want to join me? <laughs> so Thank you to Elvis. We're going to continue to use that. I think it's a better, a more memorable, makes more sense as we consider this salvation. And again, the emphasis in Hebrews is this process of continuing of not stopping. We've come in from outside. Jesus has paid our debt. And now we're walking with Him. We're following Him. And so in that transition, in that process, the question for us is, do we have a biblically informed, Jesus-dependent, faith-centered perspective on the process of our salvation. Do we understand from door to door what that actually looks like? Do we see that biblically? Do, is it completely focused on Jesus and holds to our faith in Him? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. And I think as we look at chapter 10, verse 19, the author wants to give us this perspective. There's going to be three things that we see to help us have perspective in this process of our salvation. And we're going to see that there are reminders, these gospel reminders about our current process. There's going to be gospel encouragement to continue in this process. And there are going to be gospel instructions for how to continue. Okay. Reminders, encouragement, and then instruction. How to. How do we go through this process? And so for today, we're going to focus on the remembering. These reminders. We're going to focus on receiving this gospel encouragement. And I also want us to, to ready ourselves, to prepare ourselves to receive this gospel instruction of what, how do we go through the process. So today we're going to focus on remembering 
and receiving that encouragement. Verse 19. Okay, this is connected to the reminders. Reminders about our situation. These gospel reminders. And when I say gospel, think the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Okay, what do I need to be reminded about the person and the work of Jesus Christ? Who He is and what He's done, what He's doing. What do I need to remember as I'm in this process? Chapter 10, verse 19 through 21. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. It says, therefore... Verse 19 begins with therefore because of everything that's been communicated in this letter. Okay, there's, there's a long view of the letter here, but there's also the immediate context. Therefore, what has just been said in verse 1 through 18 of chapter 10 leading up to verse 19. Okay, and I skipped it. We're going to go back to it. But I wanted to start here because it says, therefore, therefore what? And it says, since we have. Therefore, since we have. And what's the question? Well, what do we have? Since we have what? And this passage is clear that we have access to God. So therefore, since we have access to God, we have this new and living way that's open to us, right? We were brought from outside to inside and there is a way to the majesty on high. It's been opened up for us and it's this living way Jesus. And we also have, since we have, a representative before God. So since we have this living way and since we have this representative, this high priest that's going to walk with us and it's going to go before God for us, since we have those things. In this process, we have those things. And we need to remember those things. Those are gospel reminders. That we don't forget, we don't look past we remember that we have this living way and that Jesus is with us. And so what I want to do is not move past verse 1 through 18. But this is a, a sermonic letter and what that means is this most likely Hebrews was is, is as close to a sermon as we have. The way that it's put together. It was meant to be read aloud and probably to be heard for sure in one sitting. And so as you know I do I repeat a lot because our ears are dull of hearing sometimes we need to hear things multiple times we need to have them repeated and re-explained and reconnected to what we're talking about because you forgot I forgot what we talked about two weeks ago much less several months ago and so that's what the author is doing here is repeating and reminding us of what's been communicated before. And so I want to just read through this. Read through verse 1 through 18. We'll do it a little bit at a time. 
And then we'll just give a brief explanation. But this is a reminder, okay? Uh, the author is reminding us we're going to stop and be reminded. Let's remember what has been shared with us, what's been communicated to us through the book. These are things we've heard before, but we need to hear them again. So verse 1, chapter 10. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are annual reminders of sins. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So this is a reminder. A reminder of our old situation. A reminder of the old covenant. That we were outside. That there was, we were constantly managing our sin. That we were separated from God because of the sin between us. Our relationship was broken. We had no way to draw near to God. And the repeated endless sacrifice of animals could not cleanse us from our guilt. It couldn't fully deal with our sins. It would just cover them. It would just manage them. It would just temporarily so that it would delay God's wrath and delay our deserved punishment. We, we were outside. We deserved punishment. We didn't deserve to come in. And we're just constantly managing, constantly taking care of our sin. And that was their situation. And that was our situation. We were under the burden of that and there was no relationship with God. It was a clear reminder again and again, year after year, of our desperate need for a greater sacrifice. Our desperate need for the ultimate sacrifice. We could not sacrifice. Someone else had to come and sacrifice for us. We were not the solution. You are not the solution. Outside, there is no way anything in you that gets you inside. Nothing you can add, nothing that you can contribute. You're not the solution. And this annual repeated reminder through your life, this annual reminder for them, that, that this, this isn't going to ultimately be our solution. What's going to happen? How is God going to do this? Therefore, verse 5. That being our situation. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, He said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for Me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Jesus saying here, Here am I, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. It was God's design 
It was God's plan. It was God's will that Jesus would come into our world, into our situation, and that not us, but He would be the great sacrifice. He would be the ultimate solution. What we were unable to do, Jesus would come and do for us. That was His plan. That was His will. Ultimately, our managing of sin, their dealing with sin, thousands of years, it says it didn't please God. Like it didn't satisfy God. There needed to be something more. And so Jesus comes. Verse 8. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So because of who Jesus is, because of what he's done, the sacrifice of His life, the offering of His life, and we have been made holy once and for all. We've been cleansed. We've been purified by His blood through His sacrifice so that we can now approach God. And I've kept coming back to, I'm sorry, Why do we have to be purified and cleansed? Why do we have to be purified and cleansed to go before the presence of God? And you read about the Old Testament and the preparations that were made. Remember we talked about the the Day of Atonement when the great high priest would go in one time a year into the Holy of Holies? There was this extensive preparation so that he could go into the presence of God. He had to be cleaned and washed multiple times. There had to be this long fasting and prayer. All these things had to be done. It was this extensive process just so that he could step in and make this sacrifice and step out of the presence of God. And if you think about it, the reality is is that we're filthy, nasty, disgusting. The Bible, even in some places in the prophets, paints a picture that we're covered in dung. Poop. Now, have you ever gotten close to someone who's covered in poop? And if Kosit is just covered in poop? I'm not talking about Caleb poop from his nice, sweet little baby. I'm talking about nasty, disgusting. It's on him, it's over him. And he comes to me and he wants to approach me. What is my response? I'm just like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try not to step back because I'm going to love him because, but he's nasty. Right? You've all experienced that in some way, form or fashion. That's what it's like when we approach God. 
He is pure and perfect and holy. And no matter who you are, no matter what you've done or not done, you are covered in excrement. And you can't be in the presence of God. And you need to be cleansed. You need to be purified. You need to have new clothes. Like, like get cleaned up, fix yourself, then come to me. But that's not what God does. He doesn't put that on us because we would still be outside. He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to clean you and I'm going to purify you. I'm going to wash you. I'm going to renew you so that then you can be in my presence and so that I can embrace you. That's the picture. That's why we need to be cleansed. And if you don't believe that, then listening to all this like doesn't really make much impact. You can't clean or purify yourself. No matter what you do, no matter what you don't do, and Jesus makes you clean, and you will not, you will not, you will not add to your own purification. You will not add to your cleanliness. Okay? You didn't come through the door and get cleansed and made perfect presentable to God and say, well, on the way, I'm going to clean up a few more things. That's on me, right? I'm going to do these things or avoid these things. That's going to make me more presentable to God. That's not the case. I just want us to see that. Because it's this complete reversal of our situation. Everything's changed. What was dirty has been made clean. What was unpure, impure has been made pure. And he set aside the law. This old way. And we have a new way a new covenant a new promise that is based on our faith and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done verse 11 day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins but when this priest, when Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The priest would stand day after day after day. Jesus sacrificed himself and he sat down. It's done. It's complete. It can't be added to. It is fully and forever completely taking care of our sins. That's our situation. In this process. Okay? We've come through the door. We've been cleansed. We've been purified. We're in this process now. That is our situation. That's what we need to be reminded of. And because we're clean, and because we're purified, and because we're covered, then we can draw near to God. We can continue on. And in that drawing near, we can actually have relationship with Jesus face to face together. Not, not from far off, but together. He's bringing us. He is with us. And so we are purified and cleansed right now in this process as we continue 
to the finish. We can worship Him. We can enjoy Him now. That's our situation. But I don't want you just to believe me or the author of Hebrews. This incredible situation is what God had promised to His people. This restored relationship, right? We talk about this personal and this intimate relationship that we could have because He dealt with our sins. Okay? So the author here goes to quote the Old Testament, a promise from God. He's like, don't just believe me, but believe what God has said. Remember, we've, again, this has been shared before. It's from Jeremiah. It's a summary now. But he says the Holy Spirit, meaning God speaking through His Word, also testifies to us about this. Verse 15. First he says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Amen. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Because of who He is. Because of what He has done. That's the only way we got in the door. That's the only way we continue through the process because of what He has done. And it does not have to be done again. And where there have been where these have been forgiven, verse 18, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. For thousands and thousands of years it was necessary. For your life, outside that door, it was necessary, and it was never enough. It's no longer necessary. This, this sacrifice for sin is a burden that we are free of. There is freedom that we experience as we walk through and as we're in this process. We have this burden lifted, this freedom, because we don't have to sacrifice for our sins anymore. It has been sacrificed for, and we can just hold on to and follow Jesus until the end. Okay? That's our job, is to hold on to and follow Jesus to the end. Not deal with and make sacrifices for your sin. It's taken care of. It's been fully dealt with. We should have freedom. Freedom to continue. Freedom to follow. But you guys, me, I start, and, and, and there's something in me that, that, that feels like yeah, I, I need to come back out here and deal with my sin. And I need, there's some good works I need to take care of. And there's some things that I don't need to do and some things that I, that I need to do. And I get stuck back here still dealing with and trying to make sacrifices for my sin. Instead of following Jesus and walking with Him, I choose to go back to this old way. And they were wanting to go back to this old way that was very defined, very nice and neat. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. Instead of, hold on to me and follow me. 
Jesús y caminar con él. In some ways it seems easier out there, more clear. Parece más fácil, ¿cierto? Regresar But we can't go back. You need to look at it like this. Let it go. Let it go because Jesus has dealt with Do you think you need to deal with it too? What can you add to it? What are you going to do? They made sacrifices for thousands of years and God wasn't pleased. He says, I have sacrificed, you follow me. And let's go together. Don't go back. Do you understand? Your, your, your sin has been dealt with. It's outside the door. The door is locked. You don't have to return to deal with it again. You are free to move forward in the presence of God. You are pure. You are clean because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has done. So are you drawing near? Or are you still trying to handle your sin? We have freedom from that. We follow Jesus. We'll move away from our sin. We follow Jesus. He will change us and transform us from the inside out. Draw near to Him. So that's the reminder. We have this access. We have this representative. And since we have access, since we have this representative, then we have also this gospel encouragement. Look at verse 22 through 23. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for He who promised is faithful. If you go back, you don't believe God. You don't believe what he said. You don't believe that Jesus' sacrifice is enough. If you spend all of your life in here trying to just add to that, you don't believe. You don't have faith. Because God has said, I dealt with it. And he's telling us we're free from this guilty conscience. We've been washed. We're pure. And so we hold on to Jesus. We draw near to him. And that drawing near, again, we've heard it before. But it's a lifelong relational process. That's what we're going to do until the finish. For the rest of our life, from walking in this door, through this process of life, through the ups and downs, we're going to, our job is to draw near to God. Following Jesus, going with Him. That's it. Okay? That summarizes everything that we're to do. 
is to follow him, is to go with him. And as Grace and I were talking this morning, as we shared some different things, we're trying to continue through and follow him. Wouldn't it be nice if he could just, I'll follow him this week, that will be over. And then, and then we can move on to something else. Like that there, you know, that this could be over quick. I can hear in my mind the, this woman on an exercise tape saying, you can do anything for 30 seconds. You know? <laughs> When you want to quit and you're, you're trying to do that last sit up. You can do it. Come on. You can do anything for 30 seconds. But nobody ever says, you can do anything for a lifetime. That's so different. And that's what we're in. Is this lifetime process of following Jesus. An intimate relationship. We're connected. And it grows through faith. And as Elvis shared, it was so incredible to hear from him and to, and, and to think how that connects into Hebrews what he talked about and what faith is and who do you say that I am that's what the, Jesus asked the disciples and it's about this experience and here it's not draw near and know more about me it's not draw near and just learn about me Okay? That's part of it, but it's draw near and be with me. I'm going to bring you to the finish. We're going to be together in this. As we draw near to God, we grow in relationship with Jesus. Our relationship changes. Our relationship progresses as we continue with Him. As we've been walking with Him for more and more time, we're going to grow. But it's in this relationship we have with Him. This experience of Him. As well as this knowledge of Him. When Nidia and I first started dating, I would get overwhelmed repeatedly. Because I'm someone who prefers to think through, plan, and process what I'm going to say. I'm not good in the moment just to respond and communicate these things. But Nidia would go, when we'd be by ourselves, we'd be in the car, tell me a story. I'll say, what? <laughs> Just tell me a story. <laughs> to me, that felt like this huge weight. Like, I got to come up with a story. I, we're, we're not married yet, okay? I'm still trying to win this woman, right? I, and she wants me to tell her a story. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, Just tell me a story about yourself. Tell me a story about you, right? She wanted to know more about me. She wanted to learn about me. 
I hated those words coming out of her mouth. <laughs> But I would share whatever story I could think of. And I didn't feel like I had great stories. But she stayed with me anyway. But after a couple years, she doesn't ask me anymore to tell me stories. And it's not because I said, don't ask me to tell you stories. Like, she's heard all my stories. Okay? I was 23 when we got married. There weren't a lot of stories. At least, at least not stories I was going to tell her. Okay? So, I ran out of stories but she never asked me to tell me tell her stories and she knows my stories 18 years later we talk about our stories about our experiences when we first got together she's like tell me your story tell me about you I want to know about you but now we're together and we've been walking together through life for 18 years and now when we have those conversations it's let's talk about our stories about our experience about what we've done together and then not just what we've done but like where we are and, and what's coming what were the stories that we're going to experience together as we continue on year after year through this crazy thing where you live with someone and share your life okay any relationship you've had to continue on is hard You get to a point where there's not much more to learn. Nidia knows me better than I know myself. If you sat down with us, she's like, but Brit, oh yeah, okay, I need to, this is, right? She, she, uh, she understands me better than I can look and understand how I'm feeling. She knows how I'm feeling. It's the same with God. Like, like you would come in I want to hear your story God tell me your story I want to learn about you but as you go forward and you walk with him you're going to walk with him and he's like I'm bringing you into my story you're part of my story you're going to be with me in my story and we're going to experience this together and at some point we're going to be together and we're going to remember the stories that we have and that we've shared And as we go through this process, we're going to think about the stories to come. Not just where we've been and how you rescued me and not just how you were there in this time in life and how I know you deeper through my experience and through our relationship, but, but Jesus, there are stories to come. And we're not done. We're not finished. And we can think about that. And we can find hope in that. In this relationship with him. We're just in the middle of the story. Are you enjoying your story with Jesus? Are you just learning stories about him? He wants to have stories with us. Because we're going to finish the story with him. It's for a lifetime. 
And through that we hold on. Y a través de eso nos it says unswervingly. Sí, firmemente. In the passage. A tight grip. Muy fuerte. Nos aferramos a Jesús. As Mark was carrying me. Así como Marco me estaba cargando. If I got distracted, if I let go, what was going to happen? I was going to fall. I was going to give up. I was going to let go of Jesus. But we're to hold securely, grasp, grip. If you guys have spent any time with Caleb Panthenusorn, which is Christine and Cosette's youngest baby. How old is Caleb? Cosette? 14 months. Caleb holds on to his mom or dad unswervingly. Okay, he is with them and he's holding on to them. And if I just go up close to Caleb like this, what does he do? He just he just comes in closer and holds on tighter. Right? As I start to approach, and I'm like, Caleb, hi, Caleb. And he just holds tighter. Like I can't get him to let me hold him because he's going to hold on to Christine and Cosa unswervingly. Okay, that's the type of grasp that we should have on Jesus. Like, we should have this, uh, oh, I had it in my mind before. What's that called? This, uh, when you're, you want to let go of your mom or dad, this, uh, attachment. Thank you. Like, right? So, he is going through this thing called attachment, right? And he is attached to Christina and Cosa, and he won't let you take him off. He won't go with you. And then if for some reason he's not like connected to them and he's a couple steps away from them, I'm like, there's my chance. I'm going to get him. And I go, and as soon as he notices me, he runs right back. And more than just running back, he starts to scream and yell. Because this big, ugly man is coming to get him. Do we cling to Jesus that way? Would people come and say, oh, you have an attachment issue with Jesus. You need to get over Jesus and you need to take care of yourself, you know? At some point, Caleb's going to be independent, right? We're not supposed to move beyond that. We're supposed to remain attached, dependent, holding on to. We're not to grow and being independent from Jesus. We're to hold on unswervingly. If you're not holding on to Jesus, you're holding on to something. If you let go, like, if I don't let go of Mark, I'm going to look for something else to hold on to. Something else that will comfort me. Something else that will secure me. Because you're holding on to something. If it's not Jesus, you've replaced him with something else or someone else. 
And I want us to think about that. Yo que en eso. What is it that you're holding on to? Aquí se está usted that you're desperate for. Está that if someone pulled it away from you, or you lost it, o si usted lo pierde, you would cry out like Caleb. It would destroy you if it was taken away. If you lost this thing, if you lost this person, you'd be broken. I've got to have this. I'm going to hold on to it. Unswervingly. Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it your kids? O tal vez sus hijos. Is it the possibility of a relationship? La posibilidad de una relación personal? Is it your reputation? O tal vez su reputación? Is it a preference? O tal vez alguna preferencia? Is it your good works? O tal vez sus obras, sus buenas obras? Is it some secondary theological issue? O tal vez algún tema secundario teológico? If I can't hold on to this, it's going to destroy me. Is it praise from others? If I, don't, if I don't please them, if I don't get their praise, it's going to break me. Is it your schedule? Your time? Your free time? If I don't have my time, no one's going to be able to deal with me. What is it in your life that you either are holding on to or that you tend to hold on to? Because we need to let those things go. We need to hold on to Jesus. Because anything that you hold on to in that way, that thing or that person will let you down. It won't be enough. That idea, that preference, that job, whatever it is, it won't be enough. It says, He who promised is faithful. We're made to hold on to Jesus that way. And nothing else Nada. in all of creation is the same. So that's the encouragement. We've heard the reminders. We've been encouraged all because of who Jesus is, all because of what Jesus has done in this process. And all I want to do at this point is prepare us for these instructions. We're not going to go into the instructions today. But as I tried to study this, I had to go through a process where I took off the glasses I had on and that I could look at this in a different way. Because 
Because I don't think I wasn't ready. I don't think that we're ready to hear this instruction. I think our perspectives are skewed. So with what I've talked about in verse 19 through 23, I want us to go back and read it again. And I want you to notice the language. As I've been talking, if not all of us, most of us, I've just been thinking of ourselves. Me coming in. Me in this process. Me finishing. My life. Me, myself, and I. Everything in this passage is we, or us, or our. There's no mention of me and I. And so I want to reread it. With that emphasis on the first person, but the first person plural. As we think about these reminders, and as we receive this encouragement, it's to us, to this family, to the church. Verse 19-23 Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart And with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. We're so trapped by our individualistic culture and perspective that we could read through that that I could preach through that and and I was very intentional to try and use we and us the whole time I preached but I'm pretty sure we thought a lot about me, myself and I but we remember since we have access since we have a representative that we are to draw near and that we're to hold on to Jesus unswervingly. That's the reality of the situation. Together. That's what the scripture says. Our salvation is together. When I came into this room and turn from my sin I was full I was in a room full of people you guys are here 
I'm not here by myself. I'm not in this process by myself. We're in this process, even literally in this illustration. We are all here in this middle place together. And we're drawing near. And we're holding unswervingly. It's not just me. But Larry's with me. And Mark's with me. And Rebecca's with me. Come with me. Get up. Arthur, you're with me. And we're all going to stay with me. We're going together. Lupe, come with me. Amanda, with me. Gina, come with me. Emily, come with me. Get with me. Don't lag behind. Now, we're all together, right? This, this, like, we're supposed to go, and we're going to imagine all of us, right, and this bunch together. If we all gather together right here, this is uncomfortable, isn't it? To be so close and to have to do this together. And Britt's breath probably stinks by now because he's been preaching. Mm-hmm. How in the world are we supposed to do this together? You might have had in mind how you were going to do it by yourself, but how if all of us and you together and we all are supposed to get up those stairs together? Like there's no way. I can't imagine in my mind the reality or some practical way that all of us can get up the stairs together. How does that work? How are we going to do that? We need instruction. Does anybody know how to do that? I don't know how to do that. Nobody in the church has ever taught me how to do that. That we would do this together and go together. It makes no practical sense. And so we just say, it'd be easier by myself. I'll just do it on my own. It's a lot cleaner, a lot easier. And I can figure out the way. But this is how God has designed us. If you came through the door, then you're in this place, in this process, together. Thank you, guys. So this week, read Hebrews 10. Read it with new lens, with your us lens, with your our lens, with your we lens. And continue to read on, and we'll look at that next time. Like, what? So, I, I need instruction as to how to do that. Because I'm pretty limited and pretty self focused and have an individualistic perspective. Let me pray, and we'll continue to worship. Father God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak in our hearts wherever we are. Lord, I know that in this room that we are all over the place. Our backgrounds are different. Our lives are different. Our perspectives are different. But there's only one you, Jesus. We're following you. We're holding on to you. 
You are faithful. Tú eres fiel. Your promises are true. Tus promesas son ciertas. God, convince us of that. Convince us together that we would draw near and that we would hold to you unswervingly. God, prepare our hearts to hear your instructions as to how to do that. Help us to see our bias. Help us to see where we've been blind. But this is our great salvation. And it all depends on you. Grow our faith in that. In Jesus' name. Amen.